Girlfriends, episode number 42, Make Fitness Work for You. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Thanks for showing up again for another episode of Girlfriends. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so grateful for your presence. I'm recording this a little bit early this time because I'm going to be away uh, for several days in the coming week and I don't want to miss my Monday posting a show. I know some of you tell me that you look forward to it for your Tuesday morning workout, so I don't want to let you down. And speaking of workouts, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how you can make fitness work for you because, you know what, there's no shortage of articles online or, you know, just even scrolling through Facebook, all the different links that you can read that will make you feel um, guilty or helpless with regard to fitness, like you're never going to do it right. And that really bothers me because having been a victim of that kind of mentality myself in the past, I know that that is, that ends up having the opposite effect on people sometimes that overwhelming kind of sense of responsibility when it comes to fitness. The idea that we, you know, have to do everything, have to have everything perfect, that we have to have these lofty goals. You know, I think there's a much more doable way to make fitness work for you. And that's why I'm calling this episode, Make Fitness Work For You, because that ultimately is what I think I have figured out in my life through, you know, trial and error, mostly error. But that how to make it work for me. And what I mean by that is what what we all really want. I mean, you may want to run a marathon, but that's not ultimately what your ultimate fitness goal is. Your ultimate fitness goal is to be happy and healthy and make regular fitness a regular part of your everyday life that works, that fits, that you feel good about, that you feel empowered about, that you feel in control of, that you feel encouraged and positive about, that it's a good thing in your life. And we all know that we need it. And yet I think we we all experience various setbacks and failures along the way. And, you know, at this said, I want to um, be sure that I'm not going to be laying a guilt trip on anybody. I certainly have had times in my life, stages in my motherhood, where even just in very recent times where I have put regular exercise aside for, you know, whatever amount of time. And it was because I was feeling helpless, because I was feeling stressed, because it felt perfectly impossible at that time. There are have been times where I've been either pregnant or nursing and a hardcore fitness routine did not make sense. So I want to be encouraging right now of you with whatever stage you're at in your life, um, you know, whether you're a mom with little kids, whether you're a single person, whether you're perimenopausal, not that we know anything about that, or in your later years, that I just want to encourage you to find the right fit to make fitness a part of your life, whatever way that makes sense, whatever way is an achievable goal for you right now in your life. And I think most of us would say we could be doing better about this. So I just want this to be an encouraging show where we can talk honestly about what some of the challenges are with regard to fitness and making it a regular part of our lives and just be real about it and maybe encourage each other. You know, I shared a little bit last week about how I was having trouble 
fitting in my, my daily workouts, my, my running in particular. Um, I right now do sort of a mix of things for fitness, but running is always a part of something that I, I'm doing on a regular basis, you know, for the last several years. It's an, it, for my entire life, really, it's been an important part of how I remain physically active. Um, but I was sharing how it's challenging right now because the days are short and it's freezing out there. I did get out and run this morning um, after driving the kids to school, but I could see my breath and that's a little discouraging. And, uh, but you know, nothing really beats that feeling of, of having, you know, achieved the, the positive effects of making fitness a regular part of your daily routine or your weekly routine in a way that makes sense for you in a way that you can maintain. Here's key. You know, we can all sign up and do the insanity or whatever they're calling the latest, craziest, you know, kill yourself workout routine right now. We can all do that for a short period of time, but more often than not, we burn out and we get exhausted or <laughs> we injure ourselves because we're we're not taking a sensible approach to looking at the long-term goals that we have with regard to fitness in our everyday lives. So, you know, just to get us started here today, let's let's take a look at what some of these things are that I'm talking about. First of all, one of the first tips I would tell anybody who's looking to make fitness a part of their regular life is find something you enjoy. You know, some people are not runners. My husband hates it. He will sometimes go with me as an accommodation, as a special favor, if he's really looking to burn some calories for whatever reason or punish himself. But he hates it in a way that I don't at all. I really actually enjoy running quite a bit. And so it wouldn't, you know, the same way, like I wouldn't want to necessarily play basketball. (laughs) I'm terrible at it. Uh, I don't enjoy it. It's not something I do regularly, but my husband does and he loves it. And that's a way that he can enjoy exercising and being physically active. So, you know, you don't not, there's not one size fits all here. Um, A lot of people enjoy running. A lot of people enjoy um, working out with various classes at, at a gym, or some people enjoy following certain DVD programs for fitness, whatever it is, it, you have to, if it's going to work, if you're going to stick to it, if it's going to be a regular thing for you, you have to enjoy it, at least on some basic level. Yeah, there are parts of every kind of fitness routine and times in every one where you're like, oh my gosh, this stinks. <laughs> this hurts. I'm out of breath. This is uncomfortable. I'm bored. Whatever it is. I mean, of course, there's not gonna, you're not going to be like in bliss every second. You don't have to look for that. But look for something that you do enjoy. Something that maybe, you know, it involves moving a body, your body in a way that comes naturally to you. It might be something as simple as walking. Walking is a great activity to add fitness to your everyday life. I know lots of women, I know one in particular who lost a ton of weight doing nothing except changing her diet and adding a a one hour daily walk to her routine. It was a half hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening because she worked all day. And that made a huge difference in her fitness level and she really enjoyed it. So you don't have to be athletic and you don't have to be a brute. You don't have to love throwing weights around or anything like that. Find something that you genuinely enjoy or feel inclined toward. And along with that, I'm going to say pick a time of day that makes sense for you. You know, I remember once somebody, I don't know where, was asking some fitness expert, like, what is the best time of day, the optimum time of day for a workout? And the person responded, the one that you're actually 
you're actually going to work out in. That's the best hour. Like, don't say you're going to work out at five o'clock in the morning if you have the worst time in the world getting yourself out of bed. It's not going to happen. Don't say you're going to sign up for a 7.30, you know, aerobics class or whatever, spin class, if that's a time of day where you're feeling exhausted or you have a thousand things going on and there's always going to be something that kind of takes precedence over it. That pick a time of day that works for you. Pick a kind of workout that works for you. And start small. Don't set these huge goals. Like, you know, we just have this way of doing this to ourselves because we we get discouraged and frustrated a lot of times, I think, with, with ourselves physically. And we women in particular will beat ourselves up for it. Like, oh my gosh, I need to lose 87 pounds. You know, well, that's not a reasonable goal. Um, you know, so the, actually that moves right into the next point that I wanted to make, which was... You, you, set up in your mind and imagine what the benefits will be and make these realistic. Make them realistic benefits in your mind. Not you're going to lose those 87 pounds or whatever it is you're telling yourself you need to lose and beating yourself up about. Don't make it that. Um, maybe in a general sense, you'll say, I, I would like to begin to lose weight. Yeah, that's fine. How about set a goal of, I would like to feel stronger. I would like to be able to run up the stairs, grab something and come back downstairs and not feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, these are basic things. How about I would like to be able to play with my kids at the park and push them on the swings and not feel overly physically challenged by that. Imagine what the benefits will be. And don't forget to focus on what some of the mental benefits are of exercising. Even something as simple as knowing you're doing it, Sometimes I find that um, whenever I'm trying to fit something challenging in or begin a new habit or something in my life that's a little bit of a challenge, that I tend to overwhelm myself by thinking it through way too much ahead of time and overwhelm myself with how difficult it's going to be and um, how it's you know going to be this enormous, hard-to-overcome obstacle in my life to accomplish this thing, whatever it is. But with regard to fitness, maybe your main accomplishment will be I am going to feel great as soon as I am doing something tangible toward this goal of adding fitness to my life, however small it is. And you are. You're going to feel great and you're going to feel empowered by that. You're going to feel encouraged by that. You're going to feel optimistic about hope for the future and what future goals you might set for yourself. It all starts with taking that first step. You know, so many times it's it's ridiculous that we'll, you know, think ourselves in circles and think ourselves, you know, oh, I can't, I can't begin, you know, to be more physically active because I haven't bought the right sneakers yet or I don't have the right outfit yet or I'll feel stupid going to the gym because I, I'm too overweight and the people there are fit or I'll feel stupid in front of my family and friends by, you know, making fitness part of my life because then they'll know that I have this goal and that I'm failing at it or, you know, whatever it is, whatever stupid psychological game you're playing with yourself, flip it around, play a different psychological game with yourself. Imagine what the benefits will be to you. Imagine, yeah, the health benefits, the the strength that you'll feel. And even without losing a single pound, I find that exercise can really change you emotionally, mentally. It changes the way that you feel about your life in general. Like you can feel more that you are actually in control of your life and that you do can you can make decisions with regard to how you're going to spend your time and follow through on those you can feel empowered about the fact that you can set a goal and see it through feel empowered by the fact that you took an idea a thought a goal that you had and set it into action however small that first action item might be that 
there are huge emotional benefits to it and focus on those. Think about them as you're, as you're planning in what ways you're going to make fitness a more regular part of your life. Think about those in really t- in great detail. Think about how your body will feel. Think about how, um, you know, other times when you have, for example, um, let's say you're beginning small and you're just going to go for a 20 minute walk in the morning, something that you don't regularly do. You're going to make time for that and, you know, make that a part of your routine. Think about other times when you have done something similar and how good it felt physically and emotionally, how it de-stressed you, how it gave you a physical release, possibly for negativity in your life. And, you know, really imagine all of those benefits in great detail before you even get started. Imagine that. Imagine what the benefits are. So focusing on something that you enjoy and picking a time of day that makes sense, but then also following through and just imagining what those benefits are and encouraging and empowering yourself to take that first step. It's the hardest. The hardest thing is to get started. So you can really go a long way toward encouraging yourself to take that first difficult step, overcome that first obstacle, which is ourselves and our own mental blocks that we set up for ourselves by imagining what the concrete benefits will be to adding fitness to your life. Also, I want to mention the idea of rewarding yourself, not with a brownie sundae, (laughs) but it could be, it could be food in some kind of way. I know that when I am up early and I get a workout in um, first thing in the morning, I really look forward to breakfast because I'm starving, first of all, because I'll work out on an empty stomach. But just something as simple as, you know, eggs and coffee for breakfast, which is what I have most days, that... Yeah, you can look forward to that. So it doesn't have to be that you're not allowed to reward yourself with food. Food is enjoyable and meals are enjoyable. And part of feeling good about your body physically with regard to fitness, the other part of that is fully is the nutrition that you're you're giving your body and feeling good about the food that you give your body. Maybe there's a smoothie that you really like that would be enjoyable for you to enjoy after a workout. Maybe there's um, some post-workout snack that's not... Um, going to be have detrimental effects on your health that you could look forward to and something that you only have when you're done with your workout. There are other ways to reward yourself though, of course, that don't involve food at all. And those can be really motivating, um, especially for a, a longer term goal that you might have, whether it's weight loss or um, rather than focusing on weight loss, because you know, as we've talked about here before, especially in our body image podcast, um, I have a a difficult relationship with the scale, but it doesn't have to be about losing a certain number of pounds or something like that. Your goal could be more making um, a, a fitness routine a part of your day four days out of the week. You know, every week that you do that, you can reward yourself with whatever it is. Um, maybe you enjoy getting books on Audible or something that you listen to during your workouts. You can motivate yourself with that. Or um, you could motivate yourself with a haircut, (laughs) getting your hair done. Um, You know, just set what your goal is and decide how you're going to reward yourself. Maybe it's going to be a nice long hot shower or a bubble bath or time that you'll spend alone watching Netflix or, you know, you know your things. You know what motivates you. You know what you enjoy. But really just kind of reset your brain about what a reward is and set up Sure, it's fine to have these long-term goals, but set up shorter-term goals that you can reach and reward yourself along the way. Because 
that's how human beings function. That's, you know, we're very much carrot and stick when it comes to things that we don't necessarily enjoy, but that we know we should be doing to take better care of ourselves. And uh, so, you know, figure out what your carrot is and make sure that you're getting it on a regular basis. And I think that's what keeps you going. Because if you set a long-term goal of, well, when I lose 20 pounds, I'll be able to do this thing or I'll be, I'll allow myself to buy this new pair of jeans or whatever it is. Um, that's that doesn't feel real in the moment when you're deciding whether or not to get up off the couch and go for a run or if you're deciding whether or not to stop at the gym on the way home from work um that that long-term goal feels so far away but if your goal and your reward is just a couple of days away a couple of yeses to fitness away you're much more likely to follow through it's much more likely to feel real to you because it is all right i also want to mention the idea about doing it right I mentioned previously that sometimes we do set up these obstacles like I can't work out until this. I can't start a fitness routine until this. And part of what we do there is we also set up this perfectionism about exercise. At least I know I've done this before, whether it's you're deciding to do a particular DVD program or a training program. We can get so obsessed in the details of it. Um, I have thoroughly researched everything there is to know about every kind of running that there is and every running philosophy there is. And it's easy. I mean, sometimes it's fun to just, you know, explore those things and try new things. But sometimes it can really demotivate you because you feel like you're wasting your time because you're not doing it perfectly. You're not doing it right. Um, you know, whether it's following a certain training program, whether it's um, following along with a DVD. I know I've done um, P90X in the past. I really, I really enjoyed doing that for a short while. And um, I did that along with my husband a few years ago. And I do remember that I had to kind of overcome this obstacle in my own brain sometimes of adjusting some of the exercises inside of that program, which a lot of them were great and I could do them pretty well and they were challenging in the right ways. But then some of them, I just physically could not do the thing, whatever it was that Tony was doing on the screen. Um, And the same has been true for other uh, DVD programs that I've used and enjoyed in the past. Sometimes you have to modify them in a way, you know, not babying yourself, but in a way that makes sense for your own health and your own safety and what your own skill level is. And it's okay to do that. Get that out of your head that you have to do everything perfectly the first time you go out to do it. Sometimes we can really beat ourselves up with that and we come away feeling discouraged and we're much, much less likely to get ourselves out there to do it again if it's a negative experience in that way. If we're feeling like, oh, well, I was, that workout was a total waste of time because I you know, didn't do this particular thing at the right angle, or I didn't do as many reps as somebody else did, or I, oh, here's one that I'll sometimes kill myself with. I'll set a goal of how how long I want to run. Like, let's say I want to run five miles or something, and something will interrupt that, or I'll not feel great when I'm out there, and I really can know in my head, like, this doesn't make sense right now. Uh, You know, it's best to just turn around and go home, even if it's only going to be two or three miles or whatever it is. And then I feel like garbage for, you know, for a significant period of time, which is so stupid, because I got out there and I I did what I could and what made sense and what was reasonable at that point. And that's not a waste of time. So sometimes we set up that perfect as the enemy of the good. And it's important to not do that with regard to fitness, because we're such delicate psychological creatures, and we will destroy ourselves and destroy our own motivation 
intention to do good things if we're super focused on getting it exactly right. And that could apply to a training program too. Sometimes I like to follow some running training programs, even if I'm not trading for a particular race. Like right now, for example, I'm I modified a version of a run a faster 10K training program that I, I found online. I modified it for my own use. If anybody's interested, by the way, I'll be glad to share it with you. Just send me a note and I'll share it with you. And maybe it would could be fun or motivational for you. But I'm not training for a 10K. I'm not trying to run a faster 10K right now. And, but I find it's helpful to kind of have the schedule of workouts and, and know what's coming next and be able to see my progress with regard to like this eight-week program. And like right now I'm in week five and I can look back and say, oh, look at that. I did I did those and I progressed in these ways and um, all without having that ultimate goal of running a faster 10K or, or whatever, you know, the ultimate goal of this training program supposedly was. But if you're going to use a tool like that, it's important to remind yourself, you're not always going to get it perfectly. You're not always going to get it right. Like with me, for example, following this training program right now, especially with the travel I have had and will continue to have to do for my work, sometimes it gets messed up and I'll go like three days in a row without doing any of it. And that's certainly not the ideal way to follow this plan precisely. It's not perfect. Who cares? I'm still still making progress and I'm still making this long-term goal of having fitness be a regular part of my life, a normal part of my routine, that is that is still being achieved. That is still being accomplished. I can still feel good about that. But I honestly have to remind myself of that. I have to be deliberate about the ways in which I'll remind myself of that because there always is that temptation like, oh my gosh, forget it. I, I messed up the whole thing. I didn't do it exactly right. There, there weren't three off days written into this program and yet that's what I just did. So forget it you know, and, and I have to fight off that feeling and that inclination. So, and this is something I spent a lot of time and effort on correcting in myself. So, um, you know, if that's something you struggle with, give yourself time to get over it and give yourself as many reminders as you need that this is something I think that we all struggle with. And it's, it's helpful to be encouraging of one another in the ways in which we talk about it. Then the final point that I want to make with regard to making fitness a regular part of your life goes right along with that kind of not having to get a perfect idea, but vary what you're doing. Everybody gets bored and there's nothing less motivating than looking at a, a workout routine or, or going on a run or, you know, going for a time in the gym or whatever it is and feeling like, oh my gosh, that is like the most boring thing in the world for me right now. I couldn't possibly make myself do it. And I have um, had various challenges with regard to this this particular aspect of making fitness a part of your regular routine over the years. And I can recognize it in myself now. Like, in fact, just recently, um, I told you I've been, I've been mostly running and following that kind of 10K training program right now for my fitness. But a couple of times a week built into that training program is strength training or cross training of some kind. You can choose what. And I have a, a basic weights routine. Um, I have a, a big bar with weights that actually belongs to my husband and sons but I've kind of taken it over and I call it my big girl bar that I use for doing squats and I do a little bit of upper body um you know just strength training little routine that I go through it probably takes like 25 30 minutes when I do it and the other day when I was going to go do it in the morning when I had some time I did not 
want to do it. And every step of the way through this routine that I've been doing for, you know, several weeks now, I was just fighting myself and kind of forcing myself to do the next thing. And I'm sure I I got some benefit out of doing that workout, but ultimately it probably wasn't a great workout. I just wasn't motivated. And it's not like your heart has to be in it. And you have to be thrilled every second to do your workout every time, but you have to feel motivated. And sometimes just feeling a challenge is motivating. Something new is motivating. So if you're feeling like you're dragging yourself through your routine, this brings us right back to the beginning of doing something you enjoy. It's not all going to be bliss and, and perfection, but to some degree, you, you need to enjoy it, at least enjoy the challenge of it. And that comes from varying it. So I haven't figured out what I'm going to do to mix up my strength training routine. If you have some tips for me, I'd love to hear from you. But I think I'm just going to explore, you know, what different options there are. I've done different things over the years. Um, some using weights, some just using your body weight, um, you know, some low impact exercise circuit routines and whatnot. So I'm going to find something to kind of mix it up for myself and make it more interesting. And you know what? One of the health benefits of doing that is you're using different parts of your body. You're using your muscles in different ways. You're challenging yourself physically in, in new and different ways. And that's always going to lead to a more balanced physical self, but also emotional self in the end. So that's that's important too, to, to vary what you're doing, not to the extreme, but to the point where you're actually still feeling challenged and interested in what you're doing on a regular basis. So that's it. Those are my tips for uh, making fitness work for you. I'm trying to make this a doable topic because I know how overwhelming it is for people. So just to recap here, um, I talked about picking something that you enjoy, picking a time of day that makes sense for you, imagining specifically what the benefits will be to making fitness a regular part of your routine, rewarding yourself in healthy ways, stop worrying about doing it right, and then vary what you're doing. Mix it up. Have some fun with it. You might have some ideas for me, or maybe you just want to share with me what some of your fitness goals are, what some of your fitness successes have been, what things do work for you with regard to making fitness a regular part of your routine. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com, or you all know that voicemail is my love language. You can leave me a voicemail that I can add to a future podcast. You can go to daniellebean.com and click the leave voicemail feed. Um, tab that's on the right hand side there or we can connect on Voxer that's a fun way it's an easy app to just put onto your smartphone and then it's as easy as pushing a button to leave me a message so if you want to connect with me on Voxer that's V-O-X-E-R you can find the link to my account in the show notes at daniellebean.com Hey girlfriends who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview everyone. I am really happy today to be welcoming a dear friend of mine to Girlfriends today. Anne-Marie Rossi is joining us. Anne-Marie Rossi is blogger at Real Food Real Deals. That's realfoodrealdeals.com and the author of Conquering Your Kitchen. She's a mother who tries her best to feed her family wholesome food while sticking to a reasonable grocery budget. By making most of her family's food from scratch and avoiding highly processed ingredients, she keeps costs down and keeps her family healthy. Hi, Anne-Marie. Welcome to Girlfriends. I am so glad that you're here. Hi, Danielle. It's great to be here. 
Now, Amory and I go way back because we went to college together for a couple of years. <laughs> way back, um, you know, like five years ago, right? Yeah, six. I think it was six or seven. Oh, six years or ago. seven. Oh, how time yeah. flies. <laughs> Um, so I've known Anne-Marie for a long time, and what I've always loved about you, Anne-Marie, is even back then, you were so practical about food in a way that I think is rare for females, that, you know, I, I always knew how you uh, appreciated organic food choices, natural food choices, were you know, very aware of how what you eat affects your body and your health, but not in a psycho way, you know, <laughs> and I think you've always had such a balanced approach to food, and maybe you could just uh, share with us a little bit about how you've, you've kind of come to that place in your life. Sure, that would be great. I'm so sorry about that. Mike. Oh, that's okay. No worries. So, yeah, I've always kind of tried to be reasonable about food, tried to be healthy, but still eat dessert and don't go overboard because mm -hmm. it's. I don't think it's healthy at all to go overboard. Um, and kind of the background of my blog is um, about five years ago, I was dealing with some different um, inflammatory minor health issues. Um, nothing major, but I had some food allergy testing done. Um, and it turned out I had a, a strong sensitivity to dairy mm -hmm. um, and a slight sensitivity to gluten. And I was really surprised by that because I didn't have any stomach issues at all. Um, mm -hmm. So I, and I ate tons of dairy. I ate um, cheese over to milk basically every day because you're supposed to get your calcium, right? right. Um, but apparently... Um, for me, it was too much and it wasn't healthy. Um, and so I started to become more aware of kind of the ingredients and what I was eating and how that was making me feel. Mm -hmm. um, and as I, as I looked into that and started paying attention to it, um, I kind of made a commitment to move away from um, not only those ingredients, but more of the kind of chemical ingredients that are in a lot of ingredient lists. Sure. Uh, at the time, my kids were, I think, about five and three or six and four, um, actually maybe seven and five, I don't know, time flies. But anyway, um, and at that point, anytime um, they would come home from school with a cold, the whole house would get it. We were always sick. Um, and I didn't realize at the time, but it was partly tied to the fact that we were eating, they were eating box mac and cheese and chicken nuggets from the freezer and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So when I made some changes and started cooking a lot more from scratch and being a, a lot more aware of the ingredients that we were eating, a lot of that stuff went away. We stopped getting sick all the time. Um, my seasonal allergies completely disappeared and we just felt a lot better. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to start my blog to kind of help other people to see that just by eating what I call real food, which is stuff that doesn't have a lot of chemicals in it, um, Mm -hmm. And eating a variety without going crazy about the latest trendy diet, uh, that it can help you feel a lot better. So Right. Yeah. And it's such a reasonable, practical approach. And people can check it out at realfoodrealdeals.com. And I love that you have the budget aspect of that because every mom knows some of those um, organic foods are super pricey. But you've got great ideas for making stuff from scratch in, you know, in what looks like a very reasonable, doable way. I was so surprised the other day. I was browsing through some of your recipes and you make your own chocolate chips. What the heck? <laughs> so I don't always I don't always make everything from scratch. Right. I have made homemade chocolate chips. That's one of the things that actually isn't a ton cheaper to make from scratch. Yeah. Um, but I really like the fact that you can make anything from scratch. So when I hear about 
you can make homemade ricotta, I think like, wow, I got to try that. That sounds cool. You know, right. I like to, I kind of like to, to be aware and be able to do all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that a lot of people, yes, healthier groceries can be more expensive than cheaper groceries, but it's still not that expensive and it's still a lot cheaper than getting takeout three times a week. Yeah, absolutely so true. I, right. That's why I try to do um, price breakdowns on all my recipes to show, I think the most expensive recipe might be like two fifty a serving. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. unless you're buying the, the highest end cuts of meat or whatever, it, it ends up being reasonable. Yeah. Well, I love it. So listeners can check it out at realfoodrealdeals.com. That's Anne-Marie Rossi's blog, where you're going to see beautiful photos, too, and just step-by-step, very doable. I think, you know, just pick one or two recipes to try and empower yourself in that way. So, Amory, we got to get to the questions that we ask everybody who comes on Girlfriends, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing what your answers are, because I've really been inspired and encouraged by the variety of answers we've gotten from women here on Girlfriends. So, let's get started with the first one. Can you tell us, first of all, Amory, about a time when you felt like you triumphed? When did you ever feel a sense of achievement or accomplishment in your work or in your personal life? So, the first thing I think of when I hear that question is... Um, in, in doing my blog, I really need to have it be a business because I need to contribute financially to our household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can sometimes get caught up in that side of it. But truly, when I feel like a, a success is when I get a comment on one of my recipes saying that somebody made it and their kids liked it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my triumph. That's my, that's my high point. And I seriously get tears in my eyes every time I get a comment because that's why I'm doing this really is to, to help empower people to see, you can do this. You can make food from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. I have friends who are really well educated and have these high power jobs and they don't know how to make anything. You know, they don't know how to cook. They just never learned. And so when I can empower one of them to try it, like you said, try a couple recipes and then their kids liked it and they're going to eat something a little healthier. That's when I feel a sense of triumph. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so true that it's those little things that that make a huge difference. And I think you and I are part of a generation that largely has been removed from our food and its sources and the processes that it goes through before it hits our table that and and many of us grew up in households, um, you know, possibly with working moms who were relying more on processed foods. And that that thing that people used to just always know, basic cooking, you know, I think has been lost on many of us. So the fact that you can empower one one person at a time to feel like they can actually do that, that they can, you know, make one little small difference and that their family can enjoy it is really just a beautiful testimony to the power of what one person can do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so important. And, you know, as you were describing that, I was remembering myself how I, as a, a newly married mom, like I did, my mom cooked a lot, but she never cooked, like, say, a, a loaf of bread from scratch. And to me, I had like a mental block, like, I cannot possibly do that. And, and yet I challenged myself to overcome that and kind of explore different kinds of baking, different things. And, and like you mentioned, like with, oh, you can make ricotta. Oh, you can make that. You know, I always found that that's kind of a, a fun challenge and a great way for us to kind of reconnect with what we're actually putting in our bodies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay, great. So that's a good triumph, but we got to talk about mistakes too. We always keep it real here on Girlfriends. So, Emery, can you tell us about a mistake you once made and what did you learn from that mistake? 
Yes, and this is this is a little bit light, a light story. Um, some people, when they see my blog, I've worked really hard uh, to get to the point where I can take beautiful pictures of food, and it might portray the image that I'm just this high-end, fabulous cook who can do <laughs> kitchen, and actually that couldn't be farther from the truth. I'm always having kitchen fails. Um, the one that leaps to mind first um, when you say mistake is... Um, I got, I got in my mind one time I wanted to make homemade tortilla chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a recipe <clears throat> where you just cut, you buy corn tortillas, soft tortillas, and you just cut them into triangles, um, wh- spread on a little bit of olive oil, sprinkle them with salt, and put them under the broiler. Mm-hmm. So the broiler, you got to be careful with the broiler. <laughs> Uh, so I, and the recipe I think said to put it for a couple minutes. So I put on the broiler and I put the tray in the oven and I, I was in the kitchen. My husband was there. I think the kids were around and I peeked in there at a minute and they didn't look quite ready. Um, and then I think I might've lost a little concentration and wandered out of the room, Um, (laughs) but really less than another minute later, smoke was coming out of the oven and the tortilla chips were in flames and, um, Thank goodness my husband was there because he's a lot calmer than I am in that sort of situation. He got <laughs> out of the oven and threw it in the sink and doused the flames with water. And it was not a big, it wasn't a big problem. But the moral of the story that I really um, ingrained into my kids is do not leave the kitchen with the broiler on. Oh, right. No, that is good advice. <laughs> it's like live fire there and it can go from uncooked to flames in less than a minute. So oh my gosh. that's oh. just one of, that's just one of, of many. I have, Everything doesn't always come out right from my oven. Well, that's reassuring to hear because you do have beautiful photography on your blog and everything looks so clean and pristine and perfect. And it's good to know that behind the scenes, there's a little bit of a mess sometimes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and a lot of dirty dishes. Lots of dirty dishes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's keeping it real. I, I love that. And um, good advice. Don't leave the room with the broiler on. I also, I, I learned um, the hard way years ago when I was a teenager, um, don't leave the room with a, a pan of oil on the stovetop either. <laughs> that, yeah, that can um, that can make some pretty big flames too. Everybody was okay, but um, probably just not smart to be leaving the room and getting distracted while you're cooking, period. But um, definitely when you're doing those high heat kinds of situations. Um, yeah. Did you succeed making the tortilla tip, chips later? I did, yes. Yeah. I tried again, and I checked every 20 seconds. Because <laughs> <I got enough laughs> we've made those before. We never broiled them. I think the recipe I had called for just baking them at like 400 or something, but maybe broiling makes them crunchier or something. I think 400 is a lot safer. <laughs> That's going to be the official um, girlfriend's podcast recipe for baked tortilla chips is keep it at 400 girls. Let's just let's play it safe. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Great. Okay. So moving on to some advice, Amory, I love hearing from all my different guests about the kinds of advice they've received in their lives. There's a lot of wisdom out there. So can you share with us what's the best advice you've ever received? Who gave it to you? And how do you try to use it in your life? So I, I thought about this, and actually, rather than advice, it's a quote from Gandhi mm-hmm. that he didn't actually give me directly. But, <laughs> Maybe um, in a dream. <laughs> but it's a quote that I love, and I try to um, incorporate it every day. Um, Be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of negativity and complaining and uh, th- that attitude, um, maybe in this 
in this decade of gimme, 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 and I deserve everything and complain about what I don't have, um, it's, it's hard for me to hear. And then as someone who works on, on a blog in the blogging community, um, there are a lot of wonderful people out there, but there's also a lot of competitiveness and pettiness. Yeah. Um, and I really like to model bloggers helping one another rather than competing with one another. Sure, and yeah. Kind of it positive. So I personally have a goal every day of doing something to help another blogger. Oh, nice. And I'm in a lot of um, Facebook sharing groups like food blogger groups and healthy blogger groups, um, just a number of different groups. And um, a lot of bloggers who I've been doing it for almost five years now, people who have less experience and the tech side of things is tricky. Mm -hmm. uh, will ask questions and photography questions and I could breeze through my Facebook feed and just ignore that, but I don't. I make sure every day I jump in there and I respond to a question and give a little detail and just try to be helpful. Mm -hmm. If somebody's looking for a contact at a company where I've worked with that brand, I'll share the contact. Just just being trying to be generous to other bloggers and think we're in this together rather than if you get the job, I'm not going to get the job. And so right. I'm not gonna information yeah I love that that's really inspiring because you're so right that there's so much ugliness and and not even you know just nasty kind of fighting between people which does for sure happen but that kind of competitive edge to things I think is so counterproductive for everybody I've experienced it for sure in the online world that um, you know feeling like someone else's gain is your loss and well, maybe that's human nature. I think working hard to overcome it bears such great fruit that you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by being generous online. Exactly. And in the end, you need to be able to look in the mirror and say you're happy with who you see. Right. Yeah. And and keeping in mind, there's enough out there for everybody. You know, exactly. like, there's enough attention. There's enough jobs. There's enough, you know, success. Would, you know, then that and that that success looks different for everybody. That's something that I've struggled with for sure, and I've definitely talked to to friends who do things online that struggle with that as well. Just feeling like you know, someone something great happens for somebody else, and and you're distracted by that, and think, oh gosh, maybe that's what I should be doing, but probably not. You know, <laughs> like you probably should be looking for success in in whatever place God's put you that, you know, in exactly that channel, because it, it, he's got a different plan for every one of us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So important. All right. So now let's let's see. I think we have enough time to go into just real quick, Anne-Marie. Um, since we talked about advice that you received from Gandhi, <laughs> I love that. That's like perfect. Um, what is something that if you went back and had a conversation with yourself like 15 years ago, what would you, what advice would you give yourself then? What would you say? I think just to ease up on myself and um, not, not try to expect too much. Mm -hmm. Back to when, before I had kids, I think everything kind of shifts after you have kids. Right. Um, you, my world my oldest is 13, so 14 years ago, it was just me, me, me. I was married, but, you know, we, we, you know, just the yeah. two of us, what did we need? What did we want? What do we want to do this weekend? Like, and I kind of feel like the, the challenges that come with parenting have given me a focus that I really wanted back then. And it actually, the things that bothered me then or concerned me then were really of no concern when I think back on the kind of the pettiness of some of the little things that would have bothered me back then. So mm -hmm. 
just right. relax. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't expect so much of other people. And um, the best is yet to come. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, even just that very basic advice of, of easing up on yourself and, and letting go of stuff that doesn't matter, that perhaps um, our future selves 15 years from now would say that about the stuff we're sweating right now, you know? <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> because I find that that's what happens as I'm aging. I, I have the wisdom just a little bit too late, you know? Like, and, and it's like I want to go back and tell myself 15 years ago, hey, you looked awesome in that photo. Like, what the heck are you beating yourself up about, about what you look like and how you feel about how you look, for example? And, and then I try to remind myself now, when I see a photo I don't like now that like, you know what, 15 years from now, you're going to be like, that is an awesome photo. You know? I was so young back then. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. And I think it really, you know, it, it's helpful to kind of just pause and give yourself that perspective sometimes because we all get lost in, in the stuff, you know, and it's easy to get lost in the stuff, but it's important to pause and remind ourselves of what really matters and give ourselves kind of that long-term perspective. So thanks for sharing that. I think that's great. All right. Now, I don't know if you're nervous. I always try to make people nervous for their, their um, lightning round. <laughs> I'm not nervous. Darn it, Amory. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You don't have to be nervous, but we just have uh, 60 seconds here at the end of each interview where we kind of get to know you a little bit better with some fast, fun questions. So if you're ready, we're ready, Amory. I'm ready. All right, here we go. It's Amory Rossi's Lightning Round on the Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, Amory, what's your favorite way to hang out and connect with friends and family? Um, hiking. Nice. Okay. Um, we know you're an organic mama, but do you have a guilty pleasure food? Um, Italian sub. Mm, oh, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, what surprising song might we find in your iTunes account? Oh, gosh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Who's in there? Cher. Do you oh, believe Cher. in my love? Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> love it. All right. <laughs> okay. Describe your perfect date night. Um, restaurant and a movie. Great. All right. Uh, what was the last book you read, and was it thumbs up or thumbs down? The Husband's Secret. Thumbs up. Nice. Okay. What's something that surprised you most about being a mom? Oh... I guess caring about somebody else more than I care about myself. Wonderful. Perfect. Oh, wow. Great. You were awesome at that. We got in more questions than I usually managed to get in. So you were good. Way to go. Good job, Anne-Marie. You survived and we got some great answers. So I love that you're listening to Cher. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best. Okay. Well, before we have to go, Anne-Marie, um, I just want to give you a chance to maybe give a shout out to something that you're working on, even if it's not something professional, something going on in your personal life, that what are you excited about these days? Uh, well, for my blog, um, kind of a new thing that's become really popular is video, mm -hmm. um, videos of recipes, which is actually really hard to learn how to do um, with the technology of it. And um, it's something that a year ago I decided I was going to do, and then I kind of gave up on it. But now I'm really I'm making it happen. Um, trying to put together videos to, to sort of animate and get people more excited about doing some of my recipes. Nice. Um, so I'm always excited to learn something new, even though it's hard and scary later in life to have to kind of pick up a new piece of technology. But mm -hmm. uh, 
but that's that's sort of what I'm excited about right now. That's really cool. So can people check you out on um, YouTube then? Do you have a YouTube channel? I do have a YouTube channel, which you can click to through my blog. Okay. Um, and then I, I'm going to start having more videos in my recipe posts. So nice. I, just did a, I just did a recipe for apple chips. We went apple picking last week, and I posted a video for how to make homemade apple chips. There's no broiler involved. So <laughs> Keeping it safe. It's a, low, it's a low temperature process. So <laughs> that's my latest one. That is so great. Well, I look forward to checking it out. You know, those tasty videos on Facebook are, are some of my favorites. They're just so... Like, I could sit and watch, like, 50 of those in a row and just feel like I did a lot of cooking. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're like the new Pinterest. They really are. That's hilarious. Well, I'm glad you're exploring that. And I agree, it can be challenging, especially at our um, young age, to take on new technologies. Like, I found the same thing when I was beginning to podcast. Like, oh, my gosh, I have to learn something new? You're kidding me. Like, <laughs> I so I completely give you props there for taking on the challenge and exploring video technology for recipes. I think that's terrific. Thank you. Well, thanks for all that you do, Emery. I really find you inspiring, and I've always loved you all these years that we've known each other. And I, I just appreciate your really balanced approach to life. It's really encouraging and inspiring, something that's kind of rare these days, and it's like we all need a healthy dose of that in our lives. So thanks for all that you do. But thank you also for taking the time to share with us here today on Girlfriends. This was great. I really enjoyed it, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, how fun was that for me to connect with my old college girlfriend here on Girlfriends? I think that was terrific. And I hope you'll all check out Anne-Marie's blog, realfoodrealdeals.com. And give me your feedback. Let me know um, what you think. And let me know who else you'd like to have for guests here. I've gotten some great recommendations from people that I'm following up on for coming weeks. But you know I always love to hear from you. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or give me some voice feedback about the various guests we have or who you'd like to hear from here. Okay, I can't even stop myself from leaving you feedback. I'm not even very far into last week's episode where you're talking about the new dog. And I have to tell you, Sarah Reinhardt, by the way, that yes, I have had a terrier. I grew up with tons of different kinds of dogs, mostly large dogs. So the German short hair pointer sounds hugely small to me. But we inherited a Jack Russell Terrier. And all I have to tell you is that no Terrier is as bad as a Jack Russell Terrier. But then again, it's like the dog you love to hate. So I could regale you for years about Terriers and Jack Russells specifically. Um, I actually, he inspired quite a bit of writing as I was starting my writing kind of career <laughs> and life. But in any event, um, oh my goodness, I could not leave you voice feedback about the dog thing. And, you know, who knows at the rate that I leave voice feedback, I'll probably have at least three other calls in before I'm done with the show. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. I love having you as a regular, uh, contributor here on Girlfriends. And I love that you're sharing about your Jack Russell Terrier because that's a breed that we definitely looked at. Um, I ended up falling in love with the Welshies because they've got the cute little beard and eyebrow thing going on. Um, but everything that I researched said that all these Terriers are really high energy dogs and Mr. Potts is doing great. He is high energy. Um, right now, our number one challenge with him, and maybe there are dog experts out there who can help us out, is um, him bothering Apollo 
yellow, especially in the morning when he has a ton of energy. I've been using baby gates to keep them separated because Mr. Potts will just jump on him, jump on him, jump on him. And Apollo is so sweet and he's such a giving, submissive, gentle kind of dog that he puts up with it and puts up with it. And there's Mr. Potts like biting his butt and it just doesn't seem fair to me. Also, Apollo gives all his toys to Mr. Potts, which also doesn't seem quite fair. I think he's feeling a little bullied by this little dog. So, I appreciate the um, terrier sympathy. I think terriers are hilarious and it's been a lot of fun kind of getting to know a new breed of dog after having the GSPs for so long. Um, So anybody else who has terrier stories to share, I'd love to hear about them. Or let me know what breeds of dogs that you like and you enjoy um, or that maybe you're thinking about adding to your family. I'm all about the dogs and the puppies these days. Um, I think I told you I made a joke that I was going to get a dog for every kid that went away to college and so far I've done that just saying you know <laughs> but um yeah I I think maybe two might be the maximum I don't know if anybody out there has more dogs than that but it feels a little nutty to me it feels like a lot of energy a lot of movement a lot of torn up things on the floor all the time um Generally, they, they, they stick to like paper and things that they get their hands on or forget if they get their hands on a magazine or something. But I just find that my floors are always a wreck. Like I look at them and there's just bits of paper and stuff all over them. Um, generally, they leave our shoes alone, which is a blessing. Um, but anyway, that's the update on Mr. Potts. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sarah. Hi, Danielle. This is Amory, and I just finished listening to your Are You Too Busy podcast, and that was excellent. I um, was listening to it as I was driving home from the airport. I had been up since 4.30 with my six-month-old baby traveling from a home from an out-of-town funeral, and I was really tired on the drive home, so I was listening to that to help me keep me, you know, focused. Um, and I just, I loved it. It was great. And I really appreciated um, what she said about going to Mass because I was driving home and I hadn't been to Mass and I was debating about just saying, you know, I just can't do it. Um, But I didn't. I I went to Mass after that encouragement and that was really helpful. And the baby was great during Mass and that was, it was just, it was a really, really good reminder. So I thank you for that. I also wanted to say I loved Kristen's um, advice that she had passed on about making the bed and praying for her husband, which I thought was just so great because that's usually a <clears throat> point of contention in our household. I'm either mad that I'm making the bed or I'm mad that he isn't making the bed like I want him to. So now instead I can just pray for him, which is so much better. And I also wanted to say I got the Echo app and I absolutely love it. It's really, really cool. And I'm thankful that it's bringing more opportunities um, for me to pray in my day. So thank you so much. You're doing a wonderful job. I really enjoy all the podcasts and take care. Thank you, Amory, and thank you uh, especially for sharing um, that that Echo app is working for you. I really want to encourage people to check that out. Um, Sarah recommended it a few episodes ago as a way to kind of remind yourself daily of the people that you've you've been wanting to pray for, and it's it's really it's been very useful. I'm enjoying it too, and thank you for sharing honestly about your feelings about making the bed. Don't you find that sometimes there are stupid little things like that, whether it's making the bed or some other chore that we kind of build up in our own minds and poison our marriages with that it makes absolutely no sense. It's so stupid if you step back from it. And yet in the moment, it feels so real. Like I need to be angry about him not doing this right now to the point where it becomes just like this 
horrible, you know, disgusting habit that that's the way we think about this, this thing, we really resent this thing. And I know I did it early in my marriage about getting up in the morning. Like Dan used to sleep later than I did usually on the weekends, and I resented the heck out of it. And I never told him that though. And I never, never really tried to have a conversation about it where, you know, we would make a compromise or something about that. And it took me a long time. And, and now just looking back on it, I'm like, you are so stupid. Why, why do we let these resentments build up? They're really, they're, they're very divisive in our marriages. They're, they're just poison. It's just poison inside of your relationship. So anyone who's listening, if you've got uh, something like that going on in your relationship with anybody, but especially if it's going on inside of your marriage, Take that important step back, swallow that huge humble pill that we all have to swallow every once in a while, and, you know, just just decide to let go of it or address it, you know? Don't do the passive-aggressive thing. So thank you so much for sharing that, Emery. Really good food for thought. Hi, Danielle. My name is Amy, and I love listening to your podcast. And I listened yesterday when you were talking about um, your first book. And I just wanted you to know how much I love that book. I read it and reread it and reread it, gave it to my mom's group and um, just loved it. Really related to it uh, about seven or eight years ago when I had uh, four under five. Um, but anyway, um, so also I heard you speak in Traverse City, Michigan, where I live. And I was too shy to go up to you because I'm so introverted. And I let all the outspoken moms go up to you. And then I just kind of slinked away. And I, I really regret it um, because I wanted to meet you. And I followed you for years. Um, but also, I really need your help. I know that you talk about how to get started in writing all the time. And I listen to you talk about that Um on the podcast yesterday. And um, so I've been doing some research, but everywhere I go says you must be a published writer before they will accept submissions. And I just wondered if you had a specific place that I could try submitting an article about fitting daily prayer life into um, a mom's life with her kids. That's what my article is about. I've been working on it for years and I just really want to submit it somewhere and don't know where. So if you could help me with that, I would really appreciate it if you have time. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I am sorry, too, that I missed meeting you. I understand the introverted thing. Um, and I have had similar moments in my life where I wanted to connect with somebody and I held myself back out of a feeling of shyness or uncertainty. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. There's got to be another time, right? <laughs> I hope that we'll have an opportunity to meet again sometime in the future. But um, thank you for sharing your thoughts about my first book because um, when I shared with it, that's in the My Cup of Tea episode for people who want to go back and listen, I shared the first chapter of my first book from back then. Um, and I, I really love that young moms are still benefiting from that um, because I, I shared very much from my heart and tried to be real about the, the real struggles, and, but also the real joys of motherhood in a, in a way that I didn't feel like enough people were honest about either one, that sometimes it felt too saccharine to talk about how, how joyful a family life can be. And yet we're made for it. And that's what makes us happy. And that's where we do find satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. So thank you for, for sharing that you appreciate 
that. Um, that book is out of print, but like I said, I think you can get it for like a penny on Amazon. You can get used copies. Um, I've been doing that recently, buying up a few of the copies because I'm down to like my last couple and I like to give it to people sometimes. Um, and so anyway, that, that book is called My Cup of Tea for people who are interested. And then to answer your question, Amy, about freelance writing, um, I really encourage writers to just send stuff out to places. First of all, you know, the most important thing, and I can tell you this as an editor, is to know the publication that you're submitting to. Don't don't just send out to, you know, a, a magazine that never publishes the kind of thing that you're sending them. For example, at Catholic Digest, I get submissions every day of poetry. Catholic Digest has never published poetry. We will never publish poetry, at least as long as I'm the boss there. It's not what we do. It's not part of our mission. Don't send poetry. You know, I'm not saying that's what you're doing. But that's my, my piece of advice is to really research the publications that you would like to write for and then tailor something that's really specific to them. And editors are busy. They're busier than ever. I know I am a lot more so than editors who held this position in the past, um, simply because I have a more streamlined staff. And I'm there are things that I'm slogging through that, you know, editors in the past never would have had to. So be be considerate of their time. Um, so make sure that you're really tailoring what you're putting together for their publication and send it to them. You mentioned needing to be a published author. Well, you know, sometimes that's an okay rule to ignore if you can prove to them what your writing chops are in a, a very concise, short email that gets right to the point. Those are the ones that I'm most likely to respond to. A writer will get my attention if it's a well-crafted, brief email explaining what they want to write, uh, or better still, with, with you know, what they're writing. It sounds like it's a fairly, um, you know, brief article that you could put together or give them a sample of it or something inside of the email so they could see that, that you are a decent writer. That's the thing. Um, as an editor, I'm not going to very often take a chance with a writer that I'm not familiar with if they can't prove to me that they can produce because I'm investing my time, my energy, and putting it into my schedule um, and, and scheduling it into the magazine space in the magazine for something I need to know that that, that writer is going to be able to deliver. And that doesn't mean I never take a chance with a new writer. For sure I do. Um, but I'm most likely to do that if they send me a very direct email. Um, and, you know, so that applies for Catholic Digest. I'm also a publisher of Today's Catholic Teacher and Catechist magazines. Um, and, and each of these different magazines has other editors that are on staff. It's not just me making decisions about these things. So, you know, I would encourage you to send stuff out. There's, there's stuff like at National Catholic Register. There's stuff at Our Sunday Visitor where um, I just did find a home for my pieces by, first of all, really researching the places where I wanted to write, making sure what I was putting together was something that was along the lines of what they generally publish. And um, then being respectful of the editor's time and really just giving them that very direct email um, describing what I wanted to do or giving them a sample of what I had done and asking them if they could use it inside of their publication. So I hope that helps. I want to encourage you because there's room for all kinds of writers out there. And if you're feeling called to do this, then I really want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to explore that creative outlet in your life and, and look for a place where your writing can find a home. Of course, 
it's, you know, your, your writing's not going to bear good fruit just by you writing it and, and keeping it in your closet. You need to get it out there. And, you know, even doing something like uh, starting a blog, that counts as published writing. And if a, a writer sends me a, a query about an article they want to write and they aren't published and they do have a blog link, I'll click it and I will, I will check out what their writing is like, what their personality is like, what kinds of topics they cover. And, you know, all of that can um, really go a long way toward scoring you an opportunity with a publication. So I hope that's helpful and um, keep me posted on how you're doing with your writing. I really, I'm really interested in how you do. And now we've gone over an hour, so I'm up to the point in the show where I tell you thank you for being here. Thank you for all of your feedback. You know it's important to me. You guys were really speaking my love language this week with the voicemails. So you can connect with me uh, like Amy did on Voxer. So you can click that connection link inside the show notes at daniellebean.com to connect with me on Voxer. Use that cool app on your phone. Super easy way to leave voicemail. Or you can go to daniellebean.com and click on leave voicemail. Or you can get all fancy like some people do. Just make a recording on your phone and email it to me at danielle at daniel danielbean.com. Of course, I accept old-fashioned email as well, and I'm grateful for all the ways that you communicate and connect with me, offer me feedback, because I'm here for you. I'm doing this show for you, and I want it to serve your needs. I can only do that if you give me feedback and let me know how I'm doing and what kinds of things might be most helpful to you. So thanks again for being here for another week, for spending an hour with me. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your company. Thanks for being here, and God bless your week.